So, thank you for joining us today, Joan, um, on our New Normal podcast. It's uh, Joan Mulville here, who is digitalization, digitalization Lead for Siemens. Um, along with that, you've been recognized previously as Businesswoman of the Year and also D uh, Dublin Digital uh, Leader of the Year. Thanks, Mill, for joining us today. Thank you very much. Lovely to be back out in the world. Yeah, no, brilliant. Um, so, just for our viewers or anybody who'd be listening to this, what, what, what's your current role in Siemens? How does digitalization play into their new normal and what their plans are for the next uh, six, 12 months? Right, so I, I joined uh, Siemens 12 months ago, 13 months ago, as their digitalization lead for our team in Ireland. Um, and most people would recognize Siemens as a global engineering company, but like everybody else, we recognize the value of digitalization and technology in what we do. Obviously, a lot of work that we do with customers around digital industries and smart infrastructure. Beyond the hardware and the engineering in that, there's a huge amount of technology to really um, reap the benefits of those investments. And digitalization is a really important pillar of that for us as an organization in terms of the services that we provide to customers. Brilliant. And just in relation to kind of some of the projects, if you can talk about them, what you've been doing and, you know, where, where you're going. Well, if I told you about the projects, I'd have to kill you. But um <laughs> From a distance, I can say that um, the kind of projects that we're working out on with customers would be very much focused around, um, for example, if I was to look at the manufacturing sector, how we're using big data, data analytics to really drive optimized performance for those companies, but also maybe to reveal to them opportunities for efficiencies that is buried deep in data. And sometimes we work with a company and they might have a very strong sense of something that they want to do, but then we start digging into the data and that reveals other opportunities that actually the problem is not where they thought it was, it was somewhere else further up the supply chain or further down the supply chain. So using data really to drive performance, but also looking, if I was to look at infrastructure projects, so around campuses and large developments like that, a huge amount of technology in terms of the efficiency and energy efficiency of buildings, the efficiency of services, which is data driven and as a result of that, digitalization driven. Okay, Pearl, and, and what would you have seen, you know, Siemens would be seen as a, a traditional business. Um, is there an appetite internally for that digitalization, that transformation, the new way of thinking? I think to say that Siemens is a traditional company wouldn't be quite right. We have a very strong tradition because it's such an old company. And if you look at technology companies as we see them now, a lot of them are born in the internet technology companies. Siemens has been around for a long time, but the reason that it has is that it's always been at the forefront of solutions. And we recognize very much that in terms of the, the fourth industrial revolution, in the same way as being at the forefront of previous revolutions, we will be at the forefront of this through digitalization. So very progressive in that sense. Okay, bro. We'll move on in a minute, but you know, you've been there, you know, some time now. What what would be your 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 biggest kind of surprise or success you would have seen coming from that? Um, I think the surprise for me is as much as it is, as you've just said it, it's a large traditional company and it's just the openness to ideas, the capacity to collaborate. It's a very in its own way for a large corporation, it's quite dynamic in some respects. 
in terms of its customer facing, obviously, like any large corporation, you know, things don't always turn really, really fast. And I was used to working in it when I was in the Irish Internet Association, a two person organization. You wake up one day going, we're going to do this. And that happens immediately. And this time it's, you know, it's a larger organization, but there is a real openness to ideas. And uh, and I think that's been really good. I shouldn't say a surprise, but it, it has been. Yeah they're really lovely people to work with. Yeah, I, I did say to somebody once I was at risk of developing a second dimple because I'm smiling since, so much since I got there. <laughs> that's that's never a bad thing to have. I've know? got one very prominent one on this, Jake, but this one, I'm really working on it now. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, we were obviously discussing beforehand just, um, you know, design thinking and, and different things that you would go around that. Um, your art is hanging up behind you. Um, you know, you, you were discussing about how you use that around your innovation and your, your kind of change mindset. Do you want to go a bit further into that? Yeah. So there's a few hanging behind me. There's an awful lot more in my eyeline facing in front of me, but um, yeah. So uh, obviously we talk a lot about innovation and digitalization is very uh, prominent in that. Um, but I was reading some, obviously everyone's reading your report about, you know, from the world economic forum, particularly there was an article that said the top three skills required for the fourth industrial revolution are critical thinking, complex problem solving, and number three was creativity, which was a skill that had taken the biggest jump forward. And it struck me that actually creative, to do critical thinking and complex problem solving inherently requires a degree of creativity. So as it's kind of bizarrely turned out, my other life and my day job have really collided in this sense um, because it's something that comes that is still I wouldn't say comes naturally to me I think everybody is creative mm. but we let go of that creative side of ourselves as we get older or we progress through our careers and I just think it's really important for organizations and its role in driving innovation that we build creativity capability and skills into our organizations. Yeah, no, it's a it, it, it's a growing concept that the kind of mindset and people being allowed to think differently and you know innovation time within businesses and being been able to fail and fail fast and, and all that. Um, do, do you find it difficult, or how, how do you communicate your kind of thought process around design thinking and getting people into a more of an open mindset that might be in a, a more closed or traditional fixed mindset? Well, uh, I think one of the things that I do, it's its beyond talking about design thinking, it's this other sphere, which is artful knowing. And one of the most reassuring things for anybody when you're having a conversation in terms of old paradigm thinking is to give them a four box quadrant because everything in organization starts with the four box quadrant. And actually I found um, through a colleague, uh, some really interesting work done by an academic called Chris Seeley from Ashridge um, and it's on artful knowing in organizations, which people wouldn't be as familiar with. Everyone knows design thinking. And it's really looking at where we position or where we view and place creativity in our organizations. And if you were to think of an x-axis and a y-axis and um, you've got transactional on the bottom and then to a higher level transformational and then, you know, if you were to say, look at um, creativity in an organization, where are those people? They're typically in the entertainment type activity. So, yeah. you know, inspirational talkers, speakers, things like that. And then you've got branding, 
type activity, then you've got design thinking. And then artful knowing is another step beyond that. And that's the bit that's really transformational, beyond transactional, transformational, but much more, um, I suppose, outer frame thinking. So when we do entertainment type stuff and you bring an artist in or a musician in to give an inspirational talk, that's outer frame for a lot of organizations, but it's very transactional. To get to artful knowing, you're talking about outer frame, out of the box thinking, and also transformational. So design thinking would typically be um, in frame. So this is the problem we currently have. This is our current organization. This is how we're going to transform. But it's very much within frame, within context. If you were to go to the crazy, uh, and I'm going to bring that back into a bit in a minute on agile thinking, but where are the crazy ideas? And so we're at a time, and, and we agreed beforehand we wouldn't talk too much about COVID, but um, times of great change, rapid change. We are at that time before this happened. This is kind of expediting that to another degree. But there is phenomenal opportunities that come there yeah. and, and challenges. And those challenges, I think, require another level of creative out-of-the-box thinking that is much more transformative than... And it's about learning by doing. So when you're in design thinking, you're you're thinking about a problem and, and thinking and working it all out and designing within that. This is beyond that. This is just dive in and do. And that actually lends itself a lot to creative art practices as well. And it's this, it's really worth reading. I'll send you the link to the article, um, to one of her papers on artful knowing and just how it it suits and marries itself very well to kind of wicked problem solving, the complex and the complicated problems. And the challenges that we have now to think beyond our organizations, but rather how they fit within ecosystems and how we solve the big challenges. Yeah, I was, we, we, we had an event there a couple of weeks ago and um, one of the things came up around the, the, you know, that innovation and how you create that culture and, you know, it always comes back to that. And the one thing I, I commented at the time was there's there's very few organizations that bonus people on how many projects that they failed, um, you know, in a good way that they yeah. created a problem and tried to figure it out but couldn't or came up with a new product that could have worked but didn't because but they learned so much more. We're still bonused off success and, you know, it's, it's a hard one. Obviously, we're businesses are here to make money and to be profitable and to be engaging. But, you know, if we are that really innovative business, you know, do we reward failure enough? Absolutely. And it's funny, actually, because when I finished in the Irish Internet Association, I did two years at DCU with the Technology Research Centre. And there was this great line and the academics use it really well, which is it's not research if it can't fail. Right. And yet we have R&D company, R&D departments within organizations, as you say, that are rewarding success, but it's only research if it has the capacity to fail. And it's obviously, you know, these are commercial organizations. We can't have people just wasting money, but it's, is it wasted if we're capturing learning out of it? And and you can mitigate all of those risks too, but it's it's about just taking that really bigger picture view, that more creative, hyper looking at problems and seeing them differently from different perspectives. And it kind of brought me on to, as it happened shortly after I've been doing that research on Artful Knowing, I went to a talk um, at the IMI on agile leadership with Kyan Krippendorf, who was really, really good. And it was funny, he put up a four box matrix and, cause you do. And, um, 
he looked at it from the perspective of where are companies going to be 10 years time and how do you get to the fourth option? Normally when you say, give me three options for something. And he said, the fourth option is the brilliant one. The fourth option is the crazy idea. And that's often where the really great transformation happens. But how do you come up with the fourth idea? And he calls them the crazy ideas. But um, he had them down. You're gone. Chipped my charger from my laptop. It's going to die. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm so sorry. I never even thought to plug in the laptop. Um, there we go. We need sorry. your laptop. <laughs> we need my laptop working. So, so he was looking at um, impact and effort. So you're assessing ideas and you've got low degree of effort, low degree of impact. That's either that's a waste of time. Then you've got a high degree of effort and a high degree of sorry, a high degree of impact, a high degree of effort. That's total waste of time. Why would you do that? Then you've got less effort, moderate impact and you're going, OK, well, that's fine, but that's a kind of a tactic. And then you've got high effort, high impact, winning ideas. And then you've got uh, really high, sorry, you've got low, low impact and effort. So then you've got the crazy ideas are high impact and high effort. So I looked at that four box matrix and I dropped it on top of my other four box matrix. And I realized that artful knowing sits in the same quadrant as the crazy ideas. <laughs> And I'm going, oh, that's very interesting. And the winning moves overlaid perfectly onto design thinking. It's okay. logical, it's rational. And then the entertainment stuff fell, fell into the box of waste of time and the branding stuff fell into tactics. So it was interesting for me, two different perspectives coming at how do you get to the fourth option? How do you get to the crazy idea? And what skills do you need for that? And creativity and this more artful perspective on problem solving just kept coming up as a recurring theme. Uh, um, um, and would you say that's the, the ability to find the fourth option is, is down to leadership or would that be a, a, a something within a business allowing people to even think like that where it's not very linear or is that like a, can it be a, a large company? Can, does it have to be one of the new challenger companies, growing companies? Is there, do you think it's, I think, I think so. Certainly, for a smaller challenger company, they're they're less they're less weighed down by in frame because they don't have a frame. You know, they, they yeah. can create their own frame. I think for larger companies, leadership is the absolutely most important part of all of this because they have to have as leaders the capacity to hold a challenge without knowing all of the answers. So, a lot of companies that we work with would be, for example, manufacturing. And they're very engineering-led. And engineers, and I'm surrounded by them, so I say this with greatest love and respect for all my colleagues, is that's based on rules, rules of physics, rational thought, incremental change, and you know, design thinking very much around functionality, solving a problem, what is known. And they tend not to go into the crazy of what is not known. So leaders of those types of companies or indeed utilities and, and large services and infrastructure, it is intrinsically based on the capacity of a leader to hold a problem and allow creative things to happen and for people to be able to solve problems. So I think from an agile leadership perspective, absolutely hold a problem, but also that they have an under a culture of uh, and people 
in terms of culture being defined as the way things are done around here is that they have the capacity then for those people to be creative, to be genuinely inventive. And I love the fact that you use the term rational because, again, to go back to art practices on this, another colleague mentioned uh, an artist to me and who had written these 35 statements on conceptual art. And I found them really fascinating in terms of I took those statements and I translated every single one of them into how they apply to innovation. And it was it was magic. It was like, oh, my God, it's exactly the same thing. It was all this idea that, you know, um, a banal idea can never be rescued by excellent execution. And so we, we spend a huge amount of time engineering something to great precision. But if it's boring, the market necess won't necessarily respond to it. So sometimes it's the not banal, the irrational that gets us to a better place. And, and better solution would, would that come back down to the the kind of the goal of the company or the leadership there you know it's you know the normal solution might work for a lot of companies or is it the, the journey that business is on so that's a that's a good point so i suppose if i was to look at digitalization projects um you know what they say in the old days if the, you'd ask the market what they wanted they would have said a faster horse and and we would never have had the car. So it took the crazy fourth idea. So uh, the fourth option or the artful knowing to imagine a different, an entirely different framework. So um, some digitalization projects, some change projects within organizations, a faster horse project is maybe the right thing for them to do. But one of the biggest things that we're looking at, I wanna look at with companies also, is that beyond those kind of projects, ask yourself, where will the market be 10 years from now and work backwards from there? Don't start with the, you know, we all talk about situation analysis of strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats. And we talk about opportunities and threats. They tend to be kind of short to medium term because they're known opportunities and known threats. But take yourself to the extreme. Take yourself to 10 years time and work backwards from there and say, right, OK, maybe our market will have disappeared completely. So instead of trying to hang on to, and maybe uh, hang on to it or what we know more, take that bigger plunge and say, right, okay, this is where it's gonna be 10 years time. How do we get to be, what are the solutions that people are gonna want then? Yeah, the, the, the thing you just said there about the SWOT analysis of a, you know, I'm, I was talking to somebody earlier today and again, we'll, we'll plug it now, but there will be a customer experience, one of these coming out. and, and he was talking about uh, he talks about two hats and we forget we're customers even though we go into a business we suddenly become the business person and we forget that customers buy our products so why aren't yeah. we thinking more like customers rather than we need to build it like this because it, it looks well but you know that frictionless environment that you know why fintechs are exploding exploding the, the, the really frictionless processes everything like that is now what customers want so ignore the, the five, 10 year plan and just remember you're a customer and what would you buy? That's that's a beautiful example of another one of the statements that applies so beautifully. When we get too good at our art, we make slick art. We stop challenging ourselves. So if you think about some companies that have beautifully designed products named after fruit, for example. One to my right here. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so so they make beautiful projects. They products, they broke every single convention of what a phone was when they put a smartphone in our hands. 
we, uh, the convention of what does a phone do was to make a call. And now it's your fitness device. It is your GPS. It is your video camera. It is your, your Walkman. It is everything. So they broke every convention of what, what they were to do. But the thing is, you have to ask yourself now, uh, when is the next big convention breaking going to happen there? Because you get really good at what you do. And you just make slicker versions of what you've already been making. And there hasn't been any big convention breakthrough now in about 10 or 12 years in that. So we have to look at, are we getting too good? Any of us, all companies looking at, we keep making a faster horse version of a bank, you know, and it's very, very slick. But actually, you're right. It's these startup challenger companies who are saying, well, actually, what is banking? You know, and what do people really need from us? And what do they really, really want? And there is no reason that the bigger established organizations can't go there beyond you. We get very, all of us get caught in this faster horses thing rather than breaking wildly free and saying 10, 15 years, where are we going to be? I mean, I'm looking at something, for example, if you look at uh, what's going to happen in terms of climate change and legislation coming down the track, if I'm a, a a large chemical company and I'm making weed killer or uh, some spray for crops or something like that. And everything is saying now that we're going to be told, farmers will be told to reduce the amount of spraying that they're going to do. So ergo, the chemical companies are going to sell less spray. So what are they going to do? Well, actually, are they in the spray business, the chemical business, or are they in the disease control business? And if you're in the disease control business, I've got an app for that. You know, that's the thing. It's like, okay, so what is the data out there that we can use to solve problems in a completely different way? So that's where some of these principles of how we look at art apply directly to how we look at innovation. And, and I like to use those as a test to see if we can challenge things further. So if you were to look at art from, and I don't want to give you a, uh, an art history class but if you look to the impressionists everyone knows the impressionists and you look at them now and we all just think they're really pretty at the time they were yeah. completely revolutionary and so when we evaluate something we tend to look at it from the prism of where we are now rather than the prism of that time so when you're looking at an innovation project don't look at it through the prism of where we are now that's really breakthrough from here Imagine yourself 10 years from now and look at it for, through those eyes and that'll tell you whether you're pushing far enough. And, and do you think the, 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 the current times will change how people or by organizations look into the future? You know, nobody would have thought that airlines would have been taken out of the sky for a long time and people would have hedged their businesses on airlines. Yeah. Um, you know, will you... You know, having that single point of failure is something we've always, I think most organizations try not to have. You look at, you know, camera companies going bust because of the, the phones coming in and, and so on. You know, do you think companies will do the 10 year thinking still or will there be smaller iterations of projects as they as they move along or kind of that innovation? Okay, so if I was to look at it from a purely economics point of view, I think the next uh, 12 months will be very much around there's liquidity challenges for all businesses. So you can't do large scale investment when you're dealing with a cash flow liquidity problem. And um, with with 
with optimism, I will say that uh, the depth of that recession, given that the underlying businesses were strong, um, the underlying fundamentals of most, most, most of those businesses were strong, they should be able to bounce back. The challenge will be, are the customers going to behave in the future the same way as they did up until now? Are there new behaviors, habits, uh, consumer behavior going to change how we view what's important to us in life? And maybe we will never go back to buying fast fashion when you've weaned yourself off, you know, three months of, you know, shopping like what what's really important to us now so we don't know um i think this is also um you know pointed to fragility in people's supply chain um in terms of you know capacity to get access to raw materials things like that their capacity to manage uptime and downtime within mm. within manufacturing so there's loads of there's loads of things going to be in the short term that have to be addressed. Um, but I think in the for the longer term, I think major shifts like this will always, always to drive some big fundamental correction or change in terms of maybe how the world works. And part of me will probably be disappointed if it doesn't. Because yeah. um, I think it's really, I think it's really exciting. It's it's beyond the future is exciting. This is not an exciting period of our lives. Far from it. But I think with every great change presents huge opportunities. And I think maybe big shocks like this to the system will will bring out great creativity in people. I saw it in the last recession in 2008 to 2009, the number yeah. of startups that came out after that. And I would hope that um, that through this, we'll have a number of startups, but also be because the underlying fundamental businesses were strong, they will have the capacity to be much more innovative after this. And I think it will stimulate, it will have already stimulated a huge amount of creativity within those organizations. And, and on that point, I guess I would just say that I would love to see us think more and invest more in terms of how we foster spirit of creativity within our organizations do, do you think that this situation will actually influence each other within our within our organizations to be that more artful thinking about how we go about the fourth senses and and uh, that fifth option now or their sixth option we've talked about the fourth so yeah do you think this will give confidence to leaders because um we had a comment there on on, on the chat saying you know, leadership makes all the difference. People and teams need guidance. Do you think that leaders will now be more confident to allow people that freedom where, you know, people never worked remotely in a business that they're actually able to do a lot of the work that they don't need that overbearing manager or leader to tell them what to do? I don't think people need guidance so much as they need vision and direction. And, and they need the capacity then to express and expand within that. So, you know, that whole idea of I'm going to put a man on the moon and then that's the big goal. And then everyone else has said, we are, we're, we're putting a man. Okay, we're putting a man on the moon. Okay, well, we better get on with it. So the leadership is the one that sets that, that big goal and trusts and empowers the people. And that, I think, is what's really important. And then that gives them capacity to be creative because they're going, okay, so we've got this goal. We've been empowered to chase after this amazing dream. So our challenge is to, to address that. And I think yeah. that people need, that's what they, I think that 
kind of leadership is really important. And the leader then has to step back and try not to micromanage all of that in that very agile way of there are no leaders, there are no managers. It is everybody is solving the problem together. And that's something that I really strongly believe in because I think um, I think you, you mentioned that point, you know, when people are, are not off now, but they're stepping back from day to day. I have been saying this for years, just in terms of my life and, and even beyond painting or whatever. I think it's really important that we have to ebb to be able to flow. And that creativity is not something that you go in and turn on every day. Yeah. It is something that is sometimes it's happening when you're painting the garden fence, not when you're painting a picture. That's when you're in your ebb time. I think there's a huge opportunity for reflection and creativity now that when people are back to Maria, whatever normal means, that there will be so many ideas because people will have looked at their business, not from inside it, but actually from outside it. And I think that will that will spawn some really exciting stuff. Yeah, the helicopter. People haven't been able to do the helicopter thinking in a while. They've been so it's, head yeah, it's, down. It's, it's uh, really hard to do it when you're in flow. And it's funny, even and and it's, I had been asked to give a, a, a guest lecture. Obviously, I'm not doing it now on how I use agile methodologies for painting. But actually, I said, well, I'll do that, and I do use it a lot of Scrum methodology when I paint. But a really important part of that for me is in the middle of a painting, I take a photograph of it and look at it through a different lens, like literally a different lens so that I can see it objectively. I can't see it when I'm standing over it. I need to take a photograph of it, walk away, do a scrum meeting with myself and come back. And that's what really got me thinking about how then I can apply the practices of art, how they would apply to innovation in the same way as I take principles of innovation and apply them to art. So that's kind of... Yeah, no, Philip Matthews said it to me I, when I was, I did a course in the IMI last year and he, he, he said, you know, step off the dance floor type mentality and, you know, have a look at what's going on. And it's so hard when it's day to day, you know, hour to hour, you're, you know, business, not just organizations, but we, we had a talk yesterday with self-employed um, employment Ireland. And he was saying that, you know, these people are just every day grinding and they just can't take that step back. So it is that it is a time to reflect and it is a, a very good time to you know take that picture of the of the painting halfway and see how you can change it or make it better and looking at it from a different perspective i love the fact that you said that bit about the dance floor i i remember being out one night having great fun with my friends and i stepped off the dance floor and and watched us almost like as a group and going Oh my God, when you look at it objectively, dancing is the craziest notion ever. <laughs> and when you're dancing, you just think you're so cool, even if you're the worst dancer ever. So stepping off the dance floor and looking at it for what it is. And when we're in flow in work, we're not actually as consciously doing what we're doing. as or We're just doing it. So to step back out of there, whether it's off the dance floor or out of the painting and actually just see it from different angles and different perspectives, and that's where I come up with ideas even for paintings, but that's where I come up with ideas for businesses and industry. I don't, you don't sit at a screen and think about how would, how, what will the chemical industry look like in 10 years time? Or, you know, what will the motor industry look like in 10? You don't do that. The answer is never in your screen. The answer yeah. is out in the world. And I actually think, notwithstanding the fact that we can't go further than a two kilometer radius, actually, looking at our world and living day to day in our world now in a time of reflection is 
is there is this it is genuinely i think a great opportunity for ideas right now and to and to start working that part of your brain every child that is born is innately creative and gavin when you were a kid and you got a cardboard box you were not there's a term called functional fixedness you never looked at a box and said that is a receptacle for carrying things you yeah. looked at a cardboard box and you saw a television there you go yeah. or you saw a castle or you saw yeah. a car or you know you saw a hut you you never saw it for what it was we all had that creativity in us yeah. and we whether it was finger painting or, or writing stories or screenplays when you made up crazy stories with your brothers and sisters and you had mad adventures outside for three hours and you all had different characters we were all screenwriters we were all artists we were all you know novelists and we stopped doing it when we focused on our careers and our disciplines and we parked that part of our brain and i think it's really really important like a muscle that we start using it again and get creatively fit yeah no 100 percent um i could go and talk about this forever that's great uh, but <laughs> we'll, we'll try and close up if if you were you, you kind of a takeaway for everybody who's listening now or, or after um what would be your one takeaway for people around fostering this creativity and artfulness within organizations moving forward? Right now, I would say to everybody, you've got this, if you've got this reflection time, try and think back to the time, what it is in, in school, in your school years, that was your most preferred creative activity and pick it up again just for a little while and see how that goes. There's a great book called The Artist's Way. It's a great way of checking back in with that part of yourself, making an artist date with yourself for once a week where you just look at things differently with those eyes. And I think when people get started into the habit of that, they will see their work differently. That would be my immediate short term for the next three or four weeks project for anybody that wants to do it. And by all means, write to me and tell me how you're getting on. Um, but if I was an organization, I would certainly now, when we get through the, the difficult challenges at the moment, um, to start thinking about how, what is my business in 10 years time? What will I, and, and it's not about getting to 10 years time tomorrow. It's about, and, but always keeping that vision of, in 10 years, this is what the market will look like. This is where I will be in that and start putting the bedrocks in place for that now and creating those visions and goals and encouraging the creative side of your teams because I absolutely know they have it. All right, John, it was a pleasure talking to you. Um, Thank you very much. I will post all your LinkedIn, your Twitter on the, on, on the post so people can reach out to you directly. Uh, thanks, Mill, for joining us on the, the New Normal podcast today, and uh, we'll be in touch soon. Thank you. It's lovely making eye contact with somebody. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Stay safe. Bye. Bye-bye.